0: In today's episode, we're talking to Joe Sturman about his experience as an adoptee who lived through the Stolen Generation. For our international listeners, the Stolen Generations are Indigenous Australians who were forcibly removed from their families, community and culture owing to government policies and laws throughout the 1900s until at least 1970. An apology was issued to people affected by these practices by former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd on the 13th of February, 2008. Joe was adopted by a Dutch immigrant family, along with two other Nunga children, and they named him Robert Sturman. There are over 500 Indigenous nations across Australia, and Nunga are the peoples who live in the southwest corner of Western Australia. He spent his childhood living between Australia, The Netherlands and Papua New Guinea. He took on his birth name Joseph following his reunion in 1994 and is now known as Joe. Joe is an artist whose works feature vibrant Indigenous patterns and quirky imaginings of native Australian wildlife. He has also served as a board director and staff member with the Link Up Aboriginal Corporation Queensland organisation which is more commonly known as Link Up Queensland and has had an association with the organization for 27 years, beginning as a client in 1992. Welcome to Adopt Perspective podcast, Joe. I'm so honored that you're sharing your story with us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Joe, um, could you start by sharing with us um, about your experience of adoption?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of the, um, the scenario is that y- you don't know you're adopted until things happen as you get older and um, life tends to become more in your face, as it were. So, the scenario was at the time that um, uh, a a lot of children or Aboriginal children were adopted out, fostered or institutionalised as per government policy of the day. Um, So, and I was a result of, of that. And um, and two other Noongar children were adopted as well. So we grew up together as a family. But the interesting thing is that as children, you don't see these sort of things. You just grow up in the immediate scenario that you're given. And it's only when you get older, things tend to be questioned and um, looked at more thoroughly. Uh, oh well, my sister through adoption actually turned out to be a distant cousin of mine, and um, and she went through link up as well to do the um, reunion, as it were, and and she's had a successful reunion, and so she lives with her people in Western Australia. Um, that's always well. I mean, every reunion is different; none none are the same. So to I guess categorise a reunion, it sort of does a bit of a disservice, you know, because we're all unique human beings and our experiences are real to us, even though we can be empathetic to others. Um, It's not the same as that person experiencing it firsthand. Yeah. My reunion um, was with my mother and, and so she had her culture and everything which she passed on on to me and um so that that filled a, a type of void in me and uh a, and it answered a lot of questions um and also kind of mannerisms i have i can sort of see it in other siblings yeah <laughs> just little quirks and things uh also my my land connection got re-established and, and that was a, a beautiful moment in itself. So, you might hear about Aboriginal people talking about being connected to the land and whatnot. Now, um, my, my connection was, was dormant because of the adoption, but it was still always there. And uh, when I had my uh, reunion, and, and so it was on the land that I was born on, and uh, and and so you sort of have a sixth sense of knowing that the land actually knows who you are, and yeah. it's a bit like um, I guess, um, and and you understand why they say Mother Nature because it has that sort of way about it, where the land is is like a type of mother to you. And um, so it's more than just what we perceive land to be because there is a life force in it and, uh, and somehow the land intrinsically knows who you are. So in, in that knowing, it takes the pressure off in trying to perform or trying to, um, I guess you'd call it acceptance anxiety, where you, you're striving to have acceptance and that's on the subconscious level. So, you're out to prove yourself in one way or another to, I guess, compensate for that lack of identity in you. Uh, So, with the land connection, that kind of addresses that. Um, And also, even if you don't really know who you are, the sense of belonging and knowing where you are, it, it brings solace in itself, so, uh, in Noongar culture and I dare say other Aboriginal cultures, there is that way of, um, we, are, we are part of a, of a bigger picture. And I, I know in a lot of non-Indigenous groups, the, I guess um, the person is more centered in, in, in themselves rather than being part of a bigger collective of things. So, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it
0: does make sense. It's actually, um, when I was thinking about your story, that connection to land and to community was something I um, I guess I almost envied because it's not something that that I feel in my own adoption story. Um, yeah. And so it's a really beautiful thing. I was wondering yeah. if I could ask what age you were when you were adopted, Joe?
1: <coughs> yeah. Um, the scenario was my mother together with her brothers and sisters were all raised on the the mission. Uh, And that was kind of like in the day, that was standard practice where, Mm -hmm. um, although it wasn't the mission, it was um, Kowalup native settlement, which is near Katanning in the Southwest. And um, so, so that process of, I guess, dehumanization is where there was no parental input there, no um, I guess firsthand nurturing experiences and needs that a children must have. So so the so the institution itself becomes a type of pseudo parent and and that invites a sense of distortion and perception where um, I guess you could call it a sense of dysfunctionality that um, you learn to grow with and I guess survive in some ways and yeah. um, try to make the most of what you know. Um, so, but when when you're 18, you're you effectively um, told to go, but there are no ways of coping in a, in a mainstream society or what the norms are, or how to live. You, you just left to whatever may be. So my mother was 19 when she had me and um, because there was no support for mothers back then in any stretch of the imagination. So I I, I guess whether she abandoned me or whether she got um, talked into leaving me at the hospital, I don't know, because again, that was the government policy to integrate Aboriginal children into the mainstream. Now, if if you have a fair skin, then you're more of a target for the assimilation. And um, that was the case with me. I was the first to be adopted. And then through social engineering, they progressively introduced darker-skinned children to the same parents. But um, this was in the day of the White Australia policy and whatnot. So it's a whole different um, paradigm of thinking in that sense, and uh, so yeah, I was left in the hospital for a number of months. Um, now, in saying that, I just remember where there were children abandoned in in the hospital or babies when um, I guess when I guess Yugoslavia. Dislocated itself and fractured, so and a lot of babies died without because there was no nurturing. So, I would say the nurses who nursed me, there was there would have been a sense of nurturing going on, and I am pretty sure I would have died in that sense. Mm. But anyway, in the in the process, I got adopted, and uh, from Dutch migrants that came out after the Second World War. Um, now she couldn't have children so she found out that um well my mother found out that you could adopt children um straight away if they're from an aboriginal background but if you wanted a a, a white child as it were you'd have to wait four years so that was a way of the government trying to um move things along a bit in that sense and uh, you know, that that was the mainstay of the day to assimilate Aboriginal people in any any way possible.
0: Mm.
1: So in that process of time, I, I was taken to the Netherlands and grew up there for a little while. I uh, went to preschool in grade one, but somehow we always got into trouble and we got taken back to Western Australia. And then the mining boom happened in the 70s, so... And that was in New Guinea as well. So we went to Bougainville Island, um, early 70s. And so basically my growing up years were in PNG and went to boarding school in Queensland as it were. So over the process of time and as I'm getting older, there are certain um, mannerisms I had that I didn't think were out of the ordinary But there were ways of coping, uh, excessive drinking, drug use, all that kind of thing, where when you speak to other people in similar situations, they've all had a similar kind of way um, to try and cope on things on the subconscious level, because effectively your identity is estranged from yourself. So there's that disconnection that goes on and in that disconnection, it makes everything unstable in your life. Then um, you, you sort of question things, why am I doing the same things wrong all the time? And so, so I'm talking about things that are kind of on a subconscious level, but they have a way of <clears throat> appearing in a person's life. And certainly it was in, the, in my case to be the, yeah. um, <coughs> excuse me, to be the case. So, you're basically wrestling with yourself and um, you question things, especially when things tend to repeat themselves. So, you're looking for answers, you, you, you're actually looking for truth, as it were, and then um, little things come to mind or, or you're told you're adopted, didn't you know. And So, Um, when things are said they're said in a very flippant way where um, to the person involved it's very deep and intricate and so you hang on to these little pieces of information and try and do your own detective work Um, but that could take years and the older you get the harder it gets because people die and so you're you're just finding out pieces of information, so you, you could I... get...
0: Sorry, Joe, go on.
1: No, I was just saying, um, so sometimes it's just a matter of getting closure at a grave site because you found a relative. Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean. Every reunion is, is different given the circumstances and scenarios. And, of course, everyone's different to some extent.
0: Yeah. How did you come to know and learn about your Indigenous heritage?
1: My parents said that we were all from an Aboriginal background and they didn't tell me that because they were afraid that I would leave them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, And that was when I first learnt about my adoption in my 20s.
0: So it and was a late
1: discovery for you it was, it was a late discovery but the odd thing about that is that I already was away from my parents for seven years I didn't see them so yeah um, so that started me on my journey of inquiry and uh, my my sister was a client of linkup and she suggested that I would do that as well but that was link up in New South Wales uh, on a early 80s, Um, so I got invited to the end of year Christmas party, but um, somehow I I just didn't get around to doing that, so um, it it, it takes a while deconstructing um, what you perceive to be the truth of who you are and scenarios you live in, but eventually things come to the surface and they need to be addressed. So um, I guess um, it, it's good to be true to yourself or at least attempt to be true to yourself and and thus begins the journey of that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, sometimes you do not find the information you want straight away and it may not happen or it may happen but not in the way you expect it to happen. So... Um, I guess um, you can sort of resolve to yourself that, well, I'm on this journey of self discovery of, of, of actually finding the truth. So it's like a truth journey. And um, so that tendency is you try and find the truth of everything, you know, even in what society presents to you is, is questioned because you want to know but what's the agenda what is behind this so that's that's all part of the truth journey and um, and it could lead you down a spiritual path of self-discovery or, or truth as it were and 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 so there's a type of vulnerability that we have um, because we've experienced the adoptee scenario but that can also leave us to exploitation because we tend to wear our hearts on our sleeves and thus be manipulated and conned and whatever else because we don't live in a perfect world and we all want that um, perfect reunion to come and it, it may not come or may not be what you thought it wanted to be. So, so there's a sense of romanticising. Um, and you know, for good reason, because we all want a happy ending, as it were. Mm. So, um, so it, it, it takes constant reflection, constant questioning, constant um, just doing things. So that so that that can take uh, a lot of energy, and uh, it can take you away of it can take you away of being a more effective person, because you're on that. Subconscious and even conscious quest for finding out who you are. So, so it doesn't matter who you are, but your identity is 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 the core of it all. And and if you're not true to yourself, then everything tends to be a lie because you've got no reference point. So, um, so in a given life journey, the. Life tends to unravel, and it has for me in many ways. But I've I've had to sort of struggle and go through it, and help others on the way if I can, and and at least give a sympathetic ear of where they're at, and and value what people say.
0: I was actually wondering because you reached, you said you reached out to link up. What yeah. support did you receive that, that helped you along your journey?
1: Uh, well, the acceptance of myself as a client. So there's the initial application form. And, of course, there's the waiting period. So um, it's more what it, what isn't said that you pick up on than what is actually said. So I felt there was a type of acceptance there and understanding and... Uh, and all, all other hidden cues, uh, also there was a support group and there still is. So they have these morning teas that you get to meet other people that have experienced the same way as, as you have. So that presents a, a, a type of um, unity in one way, that you don't feel like you're you're by yourself or that no one understands you. So they're, they're refreshing in themselves. And, of course, you make good friends and and we've all got our baggage, but we all kind of understand when someone, you know, is having a bad day. So we empathise. Yeah. and Yeah.
0: You can't um, underestimate the value of that community and having people who just get you even though their experience is different to yours there's this common thread that sort of goes through us all that you know connects us and it's it's so important
1: yeah yeah it's you you can't put a value on it because it's something that's priceless you know yeah Um, it's the essence of who you are yeah yeah
0: can you tell me what your experience of reunion was like
1: yeah um at the initial reunion, which was which was in 1994, um, I I didn't know what to expect, um, but I knew to expect something. So uh, I I saw uh, relatives of mine, and um, the clear thought I had, or the sensation, was that I, I was sort of sharing body parts because. I saw shapes and features of myself in other people, yeah. which felt like an out-of-body experience in one sense, because uh, I was decentralised, so even in mannerisms and quirky things that you see reflected in um, brothers and sisters and whatnot. It, it, and it, But it also answers questions of why you do the things you do, then you can say, oh, well, that's a genetic quirk or whatever, <laughs> however it might be.
0: It's but, so strong, um, isn't it? Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, 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 it is, it is. And it takes a while to sort of readjust and, yeah. um, and then you're told who's your relatives and who isn't and keep away from that one and so so you're plunged into something that that you, you're you just saying yes to everything because you, you sort of want to absorb you know everything that that seems to tick your boxes, as it, yeah. as it were. But um, the the thing is, I, I didn't grow up with my um, natural parents or parent, and, and so there's always that kind of gap that is there. So um, I just have to accept that, you know, and and make the most of things. Yeah, but, I completely
0: um, understand that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. And I'm not uh, not every reunion is is a success story because um, I've done many reunions myself as a way of um, I don't know showing appreciation to link up for my reunion and plus I believed in in the work and what I do. Um, yeah, some scenarios are uh, you know they're just better off not having the reunion even though the person wants closure so. To have a reunion, it needs to have um, agreement on all sides that people want that, because some scenarios uh, or circumstances were, were not, um, I guess, weren't favourable for for the birth of that child, So, and, and I'm saying it could have been a rape or something, and it's bringing back memories of someone that just doesn't want to go there. So, so that kind of has to be respected, and mm-hmm. at, at least they know that there's someone looking for them. So that could take another number of years, but there are other scenarios where, when I used to work as a caseworker at Link Up, um, where one person would be registering to look for someone, and then the next day the other person would be registering, and there you've got an instant reunion, you know. Yeah. So. So there's a bigger picture that goes on. Yeah. Um, and it's more than just circumstances because uh, you know, um that, that's what makes it all very fascinating and interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, How did you come to take back your birth name?
1: <clears throat> uh it was on documents. Um now uh my adopted name, Robert Sturman, it's it's sort of set in stone because it's on a lot of documents. Um, And look, I do appreciate the fact in one sense that I was adopted because it could have been a worse scenario, we just never will know. Um, But I I feel Joseph or Joe is more identifies who I am. So I'll I'll, I'll go along with that. But with official documents, it's still in the um, under Robert Sturman. The interesting thing here is I went to um, go and get my original birth certificate, but the original birth certificates called me Joe um, Cuthbert. So Mm. so it wasn't cut about, it was Cuthbert, but there was a tendency in the day to anglicize a lot of names. So um, I questioned that, said that's the wrong spelling and their argument, business and and marriages registry they said well this is the information we got so we can't change it so I go, mm-hmm. so that's kind of yeah yeah um I left it at that so yeah that, that's what I mean when I was sort of talking earlier you, you kind of make the most of what's given to you um, yeah and of course we all want the best and we want the best reunion and everything to be fine <clears> that's <throat> not always the case though
0: yeah but there is
1: support with others that have gone through such a process
0: that's right it can really help
1: yeah yeah
0: we touched on this earlier Joe we um, we were talking about family family reunion and and back to country can yeah. you tell me what these meant for you and your adoption experience?
1: um back to country is really where um, my connection got re-established. So when I, when I have had that, um, I don't know if you wanna call it epiphany or, or what it is, but it's somehow more than that, where um, the, the trees, for instance, the trees and their branches had a welcoming way about them, like, like a mother's loving arms. Um, the way the sunlight reflected off the bark in a in a soft way that would um, the, that that you can identify with and that it, you want to relish and have it in bed in you. So um, so that was the best description I could come up with. It's like Mother Nature, like your mother knows who you are and. Um, even if you don't know who you are, somehow the land knows exactly who you are. So, so when you hear of um, Noongar people, Aboriginal people say they belong to the land, that's pretty well like that in a, in a child mother scenario because there's a bigger picture going on with the land. And of course we know the land's thousands and thousands of years old and you know we're all trying to understand more about the things that aren't seen um there seems to be a trend these days where people are questioning things more Um, they're looking more for answers that aren't readily seen so um inquiry for spirituality for meaning for growth um, that's a trend I've seen over the years because uh, I know with Stolen Generations it's compounded, and um, but we we're all kind of stolen in one way or another. But there is that quest for meaning, that quest for searching.
0: I read that it was your reunion with your mother that opened you up to art and you've described it as a spiritual experience that connects you back to the land. Can you share a little about this for us?
1: Yeah. So my mother is an artist in her own right. And she taught me the icons used in, in Noongar art, but also in uh, Yamaji, which is another people group further North of um, Perth, sort of gelatin upwards. And, um, Now, I didn't do any art um, prior to that, but somehow something reconnected, and I guess that was from the land connection that helped me to express that in in doing art. Now, um, I I believe these things were already there, but they were were dormant because um, there were no reference points or, or ways of encouraging that because Uh, my true identity was hidden. So if your identity is hidden, people can't readily recognise it and and bring that forth in your growing up years. So so I feel fortunate that I can do the art that I do do. And um, so that's a way of expressing my culture, my identity in who I am as a person. So... um, yeah, and I've got all the cultural protocols and everything in the right order. So again, yeah. that that gives you a sense of of um, peace, knowing and belonging.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: How is your um, experience of living through the stolid generation driven the direction of your art, or is it the other way around?
1: Well, each art piece is different. Um, now I did mention about being um, true to yourself, uh, and, and that's what I endeavoured to do. And in that process, it's it it's led me on different spiritual quests for searching for meaning, and that has led me into New Age uh, philosophies and movements and spiritual experiences, and and all the while trying to look for meaning and acceptance. So. So there are such spiritual encounters that you can sort of come across, whether it's good or bad or not, it's a a different, it's another thing. So in the process of time, I, um, because I really wanted my life to make sense, so I I thought I would, um, because I went to Sunday school, so I I needed a role model. So I looked at, well, Jesus must be a role model and he seems all right to me. So I... um, I sort of used jesus as a role model in in the pure essence of it without any religious connotations or whatnot so so i i had a personal quest of trying to follow jesus if he's real or not and that led me to a lot of different um churches and whatnot and that's all a journey in itself um where um it has its own dynamics and Pitfalls and mountain highs and valley lows and and uh, but I still wanted to know if, if this Jesus character was real. I got invited to to a, a, a dinner meeting by a work colleague at the time and and I said, listen, you know, I don't want to play church as it were. I want something that's real and tangible. And he said, oh no, it is, it is, it's okay, well. Plus, because it's a free dinner, that was a bit of a draw card. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so, so, so I, I went to the dinner and and I don't want to sound mystical or off of the fairies or anything, but this, this was a real experience for me where um, it was a silver service dinner and uh, quite enjoyable. Um, and then I, uh, the guest speaker talked about, his experience about Jesus Christ on the, the first hand account, you know, what happened in his life, but I don't remember it, but I thought like, oh, it's interesting. And, and uh, so the announcement went out Does anyone want to give their hand, you know, give their life to Jesus? And um, I kind of didn't want to because I didn't want to put my hand up and then some evil spirit or lying spirit or whatever or jump into place, you know, because I am i was very sensitive to things that aren't real um, because of my background. And uh, so my hand shot up by itself as, as it were, and I go, oh, that's a surprise to me, but anyway, I'll go with it. And this guy asked me to come out the front, so I did. But mind you, I meant business, because I wanted to know if this is real or not. And if it's not real, then I want to move on with my life to seek after the truth. So, um, so I went out the front and he led me through a prayer and I prayed the words myself to, but I meant the words, you know. I didn't just want to be paying lip service. And, and to my surprise, I had um, like a warm love experience coming inside me and filling me up like a, cup of warm water which really surprised me but it felt good so i went along with it and uh, and, and when i opened my eyes everything was bright and shining as it were and people's faces were bright and i go wow this is something really different so i'm told that that i had what they what some would call a born again experience or or coming to faith as it were and and so this is all something very new to me and uh, i thought well i'll give this i'll give this a go and see where, where what happens here there seems to be like a spiritual guidance which i believe it to be jesus where um because i i can't i can't do life in my own capacity because of my background and i've tried it and didn't work so um So, I just have a kind of sick sense that I I do get guided and so from that time to now I was able to get some education and deal with a lot of issues with my drinking and drugs and whatnot. so that all sort of dissipated. I keep that side of it very simple and, and I don't really share about it much because I know there's a lot of negativity about religion and Christianity and all that stuff, but and and I can understand that. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain reality that seems to permeate, and, and that's what I want because I'm always looking for truth, you know. Because
0: yeah.
1: I just remember um, years ago, that was part of how I try to um, put meaning in my life is 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 the search for truth and and so I saw them as like building blocks so uh, it's a building block I can build in my life and if i looked at a certain aspect for truth and it turned out to be a lie fair enough you know you you did get hurt in that but you push it to one side and realize well now i know the truth so so there's yeah. that always that constant quest for it um yeah
0: Look, Joe. thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story today. I've so enjoyed it myself. And as we were saying earlier, adoption is the common thread that our listeners share. However, every story is unique and listening Mm. to other perspectives is just one of the ways that we can learn, heal Mm. and grow. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, next episode, Jane will be speaking to Ruth Lolly from Link Up Queensland about their services, and we'll put some relevant links up for um, both of these episodes on the episode notes page of the Jigsaw Queensland website. And meanwhile, do you have a story that you'd like to share with us? If you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, jump onto the main podcast page of the Jigsaw Queensland website and complete the prospective guest form there. And note that Adopt Perspective can be listened to by people all over the world. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www.jigsawqueensland.com. And you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll free 1800 210313. Or you can call Jigsaw on 07 3358 666. If you live in another state of Australia, you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state, Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Jo Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption.